What's up, y'all? It is Friday, February 12th, and it is now time for the second episode of the Amen Corner Podcast. My name is Michael Purvis, and alongside me is my co-host, Brother Joshua Powell. Josh, how you doing today, bro? I'm doing great. I'm feeling immaculate. Just feeling amazing, honestly. My man said immaculate. Okay, okay, SAT words. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but... We hope that you all are having a good Friday afternoon. Like we said, this is episode two of the Amen Corner podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about faith versus fear. That's going to be our main topic today, uh, the church and COVID-19. Um, as many of you all may know that it's been almost a year. Can you believe that, bro? It's really been almost a year since we Thanks. went into lockdown the first time. I still remember leaving school for spring break, thinking I was going to come back. Psych. <laughs> right. Had to pack everything. Like. Exactly. But <laughs> there's, twice. <laughs> right. But they're saying that we should be getting back up there in the fall. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be different either way. But, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff that's different now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but like I said, we're in a pandemic that really nobody in this lifetime has ever seen. The last one that was really of the magnitude of this was the Spanish flu and that was about a hundred years ago. Um, during this, the church has really gone through a lot as far as positive and negative changes. Um, and the current climate of us not being able to meet within the four walls of the church has, um, caused some sort of, has caused a lot of schism as far as how individuals see, um, those guidelines. Some believe that following CDC guidelines is not. All right, y'all. So with that being said, let's so get into we'll this trending topic. As we go um, on, staying in the same vein of into what we're talking about, about how the pandemic has affected the, the church. On what we're um, going to be we have discussing lost some of the greatest generals and giants within uh, Christendom and within the Christian faith due to the virus. And news came out this week that another one of the giants of the faith. Apostle Frederick Casey Price is now fighting for his life after his battle with COVID-19. Um, one of the members, or ministers, I should say, at this church released on his um, Facebook today asking for all of the members of his church to pray for the apostle as he is going through his COVID-19 battle. It sounds like he had COVID-19, but the damage that it did has um, significantly affected, as the statement said, his lung heart and kidneys and any other parts of the body that are now under attack as he yet remains in the hospital. Um, to give a little bit more context about this, um, Apostle Price is 89 years old and many of us know who have been paying attention to the news and been paying attention to the impact that this virus has that individuals who are older um, more so are more susceptible to succumbing to the COVID-19 virus. So our thoughts and prayers and our continued prayers are with him and his family. Apostle Frederick Casey Price is uh, one of the most famous black televangelists that we have. He was really one of the pioneers of the prosperity gospel movement, as well as his um, boldness to really call out the racism that was going on in the church in the mid to late night. Uh, that had really been going on to the church, but 
he started to call it out in the mid to late 90s, and that's really when conversations concerning racism in the church started to um, continue and progress. So, like we said, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his son, um, Pastor Fred Price Jr., who is now the pastor of the Crenshaw Christian Center, which Apostle Price founded and pastored for so many years. Um, to continue in our trending topics, um, Tony Perkins slams individuals who are going to church in the pandemic. Um, he tweeted from his Twitter account, At this point, holding public church gatherings in the midst of a public health crisis is not a defense of religious freedom. It's a defiance of common sense and the care of your congregation. Spread the good news, not the virus. Somebody should put that on a t-shirt. Hashtag spread, mm. <laughs> hashtag spread the good news, not the virus. Um, I'm dead. <laughs> I like that. And like I said, we're really going to be talking about that. Because um, really, there have been some government officials who well, we really see in most conservative states have really been open and really have loosened the rules as far as uh, the CDC guidelines is wearing masks, social distancing. You can see some areas where they'll say masks are required, and then some areas where they'll say masks are encouraged. So mm. it's a lot of mm. really the, um, the impact of the virus has polarized this country. Um, the Christian Post article went on to say a minority of churches and other religious organizations across the country have continued to defy warnings on li to limit gatherings or shut them down altogether to help in stemming the spread of the new coronavirus. In places like New York City, Mayor Bill, Mayor Bill de Blasio says defiant religious organizations will now be shut down if they fail to obey the order to temporarily stop gathering. If you go to your synagogue, if you go to your church and attempt to hold services after being told so often not to, our enforcement agents will have no choice but to shut down those services, de Blasio warned. I do not say that with joy. It's the last thing I'd like to do because I understand how important people's faiths are. We need our faiths in the time of crisis, but we don't need people to endanger others. So like I said, there's really been a lot of friction between government officials and religious um, officers as far as pastors, preachers, and even other faiths as far as being able to adequately um, participate in religious services. And we'll get more into that as the main topic goes on. So it is once more and again time for our Black History Month highlight. It is still Black History Month. Amen? Amen to that. I'm weak. Come on, pal. <laughs> don't, 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 don't leave and run. He, Josh getting ready to leave and run. <laughs> but today, like I said, we're really going to be focusing on um, when it comes to Black History Month, important figures within the Christian faith. And this is really one of my personal favorites. I had, um, I was figuring out who we were going to highlight and this individual popped into my mind and I was like, sure, that'll work. So, um, our Black History Month highlight is the founder of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason. Bishop Mason was born to former slaves Jerry and Eliza Mason in Shelby County, Tennessee on September 8th, 1864. Um, he worked with his family as a sharecropper and did not receive a formal education as a child. But as an early age, he was influenced by his parents' religion. Um, Mason joined the African-American Missionary Baptist Church when he was an adolescent and later received his license to preach from the Mount Gale Missionary Baptist Church in Preston, Arkansas in November of 1893. Mason enrolled in the Arkansas Baptist, Baptist College 
but withdrew after three months to transfer to the Minister's Institute at the college, and he graduated from the Institute in 1895. In 1895, Mason met Charles Price Jones, a popular Baptist preacher, from Mississippi. Mason and Jones soon began preaching the doctrine of holiness and sanctification in local Baptist churches, which led to their expulsion from the Baptist Convention. Mason and Jones decided to form a new fellowship of churches. Mason, na- Mason suggested the name Church of God in Christ after what he described as a vision in Little Rock, Arkansas, to distinguish the church from a number of Church of God groups forming at the time. Due to disagreements in the new Pentecostal teachings, the two men split their group in 1907. Mason won the legal rights to the Church of God in Christ's name and charter and established his work in Memphis. At the time of Mason's death, on November 17, 1961, Kojic had a membership of 40,000 and more than 4,000 churches in the of four, excuse me, a membership of more than 400,000 and more than 4,000 churches in the United States as well as congregations in Europe, South America, Africa, and Asia. Today it has estimated 6.5 million members. The church can be found in every state in the United States and in more than 60 countries around the world. And I'm proud to say that I am one of those 6.5 million members. I'm a third-generation member of the Church of God in Christ, and we often thank God about Bishop Mason's impact and his choice to stand for holiness and righteousness. Now, I know we kind of zoomed through that, but now, because this, um, this main topic is going to be a little bit lengthy, it's going to take some of our time. Um, now it's time to get into the main topic. Like we said, we're going to be talking about faith versus fear. The church and COVID-19. As we said in the beginning of the episode, the impact that COVID has had on how churches operate is absolutely indelible. Um, Churches now realize the importance of having an online presence. I think one of the biggest mistakes that the church made was putting the live stream on the back burner. Um, Some people, you know, set up a camera or set up a phone you know, because that's some—that's what some people, uh, that's all they have is a camera and a phone, and they're just able to go from there. But um, really, the church has treated the live stream service like individuals that were on the outside looking in. Um, and I think that was really where we were messing up at. If you look at any other medium that has been used to broadcast church services, radio, television, or what have you, there has always been a segment or a part of the service or even a announcer that will come and engage with the members that are watching. I think that what we were doing here was just, um, was really just putting the camera up and then showing our service and then that was it. We really weren't reaching out to those individuals that were um, streaming or watching us online. Now we realize that there are some people who will stream our services that'll never walk into our church, that'll mm. never um, come in and be a part of the building and sit within our four walls, but they will definitely sit and watch online. So it has definitely been interesting to see how churches adapt to being able to grow their online audience and in turn grow their um, church as well. Um, the pandemic has forced has definitely forced churches to upgrade in all aspects, um, especially within absolutely the, especially within the media department. And we're now beginning to see churches expand their reach beyond the four walls of the church. Um, another thing that we have seen in this pandemic 
is really, um, like we said earlier in the episode, a schism more so in how pastors and Christians are viewing COVID-19. Um, you have some people that will say that this pandemic was sent by God, you know, to be able to come and correct the wrongs that were happening in the church. Um, I'm sorry. I wish y'all could be on this Zoom call right now and see this man Jaws nodding off. This is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to be so serious. I was trying to be so serious, but this man was like, he went into full blown old man sleep. I'm weak. <laughs> all right, all right. Man, I had four hours of sleep today, man. Felt that. Felt that. That's how it be, bro. But um, going back to what we were talking about originally, some people had um, were really debating. Was this pandemic sent by God? Was it something that, you know, God sent to correct the wrongs that were in the church? Or was it sent by the devil to really wreak havoc on individuals in the church? Um, deaths of prominent faith leaders, like we said before, has caused an uneasiness within the church. Um, it's, it's a very stressful time for pastors because um, it, some pastors are having to bury longtime members. Some pastors are having to go to the funerals of their colleagues. Some pastors are, you know, having to deal with situations where their members are out of work, trying to be able to get them something to eat, you know. And it's really been a stressful time for a lot of pastors and individuals in leadership. But really, going back to what we were talking about before, there has also been a lot of um, controversy around how pastors are operating their services. You know, um, you have some pastors that are strictly going online. They haven't had, they haven't walked into the church or had a drive-by service or nothing since the pandemic started. You know, we have some that are in conservative states that are focusing on being able to get their, and even in liberal states as well, that are focusing on being able to get their members back into the building and what that looks like and how to be able to safely and appropriately do that. But then you have some individuals that, you know, threw caution to the wind and just said, hey, like, these CDC guidelines that are putting in are of the devil, <laughs> pretty much. And coming in and no social distancing, no mass, you know, because we have faith and we believe God. So really, one interesting question that I would like to raise is, where do we draw the line between faith and political arrogance. Now, when I say political arrogance, we see a pattern of those individuals more so in the evangelical churches we talked about in the last episode, and also those who lean more to the conservative side who support um, the previous president who went out, um, that are really not adhering to those social guidelines and are really trying to say, in my opinion, they're really putting up a front and saying that it's religious freedom but I think a lot of it has to do with that political arrogance you know when it comes to thinking about conservatism most individuals who are conservative don't like the government to tell them what to do so when it comes to that they're especially not going to bother that when it comes to church but then you have um, some people that are really hard pressed that aren't really on that conservative side because they've seen the miracles that God has performed. They've seen people, you know, 
uh, that were sick come in and get healed. They've seen people that were um, that had passed through. I've, I've even heard and seen. I've even I shouldn't say seen, but I've heard stories about individuals who are who have been raised up from the dead in church. You know, and you have people that have seen that, so they're a little mm-hmm. bit hard pressed to you know not have church because oh it's a sickness hour. So it's really sort of created a whole lot of people who have different opinions on why they would close up their churches and why they would keep their churches open. Also, a lot of people see that it is a, or try to point out that it is a double standard in the CDC guidelines. They see um, indoor dining opening. They see outdoor dining opening. They see malls opening. They see clubs opening. But then when it comes to religious services, they see people that, you know, are very reluctant to go. And really, in the black church, I believe that we're in a little bit of a, a different position due to the fact that many of our um, worship services are more expressive than those of our white counterparts. You know, it's a little bit different when you have to deal with um, with Sister Jenkins getting up and saying, Hallelujah, you know, in the middle of service and <laughs> spreading a whole bunch of droplets. You know, you know what right. I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That's crazy. It's it's different yeah, for us, bro. Mention that because, like, I was thinking, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, bro, like, because I seen, um, remember when I was having that conversation with you that, um, uh, what was it? Somebody was at Lakewood Church and it was open, like it was fully open, and yeah. I was like, I mean, they got the big size, and I was thinking, I'm like. Yo, like, what happens if, like, something like that happens? Or, like, 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 are they going to pray over people? Like, how are they going to put their hands over people and pray for them? Like, That's what I'm saying. And that goes really back to our previous point of how the church has really had to change what they do. Like, you can't even let, you have some pastors who are laying hands. But then you have some who are adhering to the guidelines. And like I said, it also goes back to how the governmental as far as like the state level is set up lakewood's in texas texas is a conservative state and that governor has really been adamant about letting people continue to have their religious freedom so that's why and, he, and that's why i told you i was like yeah texas is a uh, is a conservative state so i was pretty much able to i, I was pretty much able to predict that lakewood was going to open any time now so <laughs> but yeah we say all that to really get into the, um, I know we said that it was really going to be a million dollar question, but when it comes to this, it's really a lot of million dollar questions. So we have two questions that I want to be able to ask. The first question is, do you feel like it is a lack of faith to adhere to CDC guidelines? The second question is, what direction do you see the church going in after the pandemic is over. Now, personally, I'm in a little bit of a different position than everybody else. Because, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, my mother works in the skilled nursing facilities and she comes in contact with COVID patients every day. Saved, you know, some that are saved, some that aren't saved, you know, and she really gets to see what this virus is doing and how dangerous it is, you know? So it's really hard for individuals like our family to be open to 
going to an in-person church service in this climate. Our church has had drive-in services, and <clears throat> pretty much that's about as far as we'll go on that. But personally, I don't think that it is a lack of faith to adhere to CDC guidelines. Personally, I believe that everybody has different levels of faith. Everyone's faith isn't the same. Some people have more faith than other people. So you can't really say that some people don't have faith because, you know, everybody be everybody has different convictions. Everybody believes differently. I think about it this way. You know, if I can have faith, but at the end of the day, when I go out to drive, I still put my seatbelt on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when I still take the necessary precautions in life and still have faith. And I believe that, you know, God is still a protecting God and he still will be able to cover us. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to tempt him. I know that he can do it, but, you know, I'm still not going to tempt him. You know what I'm saying? So, um, also, really what I think about is the outside effects that it has. For example, let's say I go to a, um, an in-person service. And I contract COVID-19. So let's say when I leave that service, maybe two days later, I go out to the store. I go out, you know, to get something to eat. And then I come in contact with a whole bunch of people. And now they're positive because I went to church. And that's my thing about really um, people's convictions about not wearing masks and not going out is that, yes, that's your personal conviction. But at the end of the day, when it comes to this, your personal convictions don't just affect you. You know, they affect everyone around you. They affect your family members. They affect your peers. They affect people that you come in contact with. But so, really, I believe that it is possible for you to have faith in God and still wear a mask and still adhere to CDC guidelines. At the end of the day, what does the Bible say? That the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, people really only want to use that when it comes to bashing people for getting tattoos or what have you. But at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to do whatever we can to stay healthy. And if I have to wear a mask and stay healthy, then so be it. If I have to refrain from doing certain things in person, then so be it. Because at the end of the day, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be able to make sure that I'm doing all that I can to still stay healthy. So to answer the second question, as far as the direction that I see the church going after the pandemic is over, I'm going to say this. The online platform is here to stay. The online platform isn't going anywhere. And I believe that churches need to take the opportunity to really begin to reach out to the online audience and to build their online audience and to build their online base, whether you go back into your building or not. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're in a different time. And honestly, I'm not even going to hold you, Josh. I really like <laughs> watching virtual church. You know how good it feels to be able to get up in the morning and not have to get up and still go to church? <laughs> You know how good it feels to, to sit in the bed and still be, I, I know I know this sounds horrible, but still, it, it feels, it is amazing 
to be able to sit. Right, yeah, it sitting really in the, does. Like, I'll be sitting. Oh in the, my gosh, <laughs> bro! I'll be sitting in the bed having full blown praise breaks and all comfortable. <laughs> it's different for me because you know, um, I'm in the multimedia ministry at my church. So when we were meeting in person and I would have to work eight o'clock service, I would have to get up at like four or five in the morning, you know, and to be able to get there to be ready for sound check. I ain't gonna do that no more. I ain't gonna do that right now. <laughs> so, right. so I, I'm really kind of being selfish when I'm saying this, but I really enjoy it. But I'm not the only one. There, there are people that really enjoy the online atmosphere. So we at the church need to make a priority of being able to make it convenient as possible. I believe that we need to make it ex- accessible as possible for individuals to be able to get to, reach out to the individuals who are online, connect with them, and really we have to be able to treat our online members just the same as we treat our in-person members. And I think that if we do that and if we get a good system on that, then the church will be able to grow and progress. Now I'm going to turn it over to Josh for his answers as far as the million dollar questions go. So Josh, how do you feel? Do you feel like it is a lack of faith to adhere to certain CDC guidelines? So I feel like when it comes to CDC guidelines, like I feel like it's very important to make sure that you follow every single thing that they say, right? Um, because like, you know, you gotta make sure that you, you're protected. Cause you know, especially during a pandemic, especially like this, you know, seeing, you know, a lot of people, you know, like passing away from this and, you know, like seeing that it's like it's affecting it's affecting people. Like I actually, you know, I know a couple of people that have actually been affected by this in the Christian community. Like um, one of my friends, uh, he actually had the COVID nineteen, mm. and you know, thank God he's healed from it. Come on now, right? Um, right. <laughs> and like, it's just like wow, like you know, like it could really affect. And it's crazy how like a pandemic could really pass, but it's, I feel like it's very, I feel like it's very, very, very important that we actually make sure that we wear our mask, you know, that we make sure that we just follow every single guideline um, so that, you know, that we stay safe and that we make sure that our families are safe. Um, another thing too is, you know, when it comes to church and when it just comes to faith, you know, I feel like, you know, like I've seen people say like, oh, like um, COVID-19, this and that, like, you know, I don't even want to go to like church no more because of COVID and stuff like that. And I, I get that, right? Like, you know, there's some churches that are open. Like, I actually seen um a couple of people that I know from New York, um, that actually have church services. Mm. They actually have church services. It's not a lot of people, but they actually have church services. Like, I seen, you know, one of my friends um from Philly, like he actually went to church. Um, in, in Philly, and I was like, wow, like, I'm surprised that they're open. Yeah, it's been a but lot it's of that. Like, it's like, wow, because it's like, now it's like, okay, you know, some churches are opening back up, but the question is, are they actually following the guidelines? And the thing that um you mentioned, you mentioned about um mask, about, like, mask could be required, or mask could also be um encouraged. And the thing about encouragement, I think encouraged is like, where it's like, okay, you could definitely wear a mask or you don't have to wear a mask. I feel like if somebody says that it's required, that it's really important that they should actually wear a mask in church. Because, like, if a, if I feel like if a church is saying, like, what's it called, like, encourage, it's like, okay, like, I come to church without a mask. If you got encouraged on your fly, I ain't going. Because I know half the church is not going to be wearing a mask. And right. That, and that's just how it is, you know. 
and so because some like I said, some people have their personal convictions. They believe that, you know, it, God's gonna get mad at me if I wear a mask or, or something like that. And like I said, I don't think it's that serious, you know. Right. But I just at the end of the day, that's somebody's personal conviction. Exactly. Exactly. That's really how it is. Like you know, just wear a mask. Be safe. If you want to wear gloves, if you want to, like I've seen people wear gloves. Like, um, who was it? I saw. I think I saw like a service on like television where like somebody in the audience was wearing gloves. <laughs> like he was wearing gloves for his for his camera and everything. I think it was Transformation Church. I was watching. He was wearing gloves. I know when gloves. we um when we first started recording because I. I think for the first two months of the pandemic, I was in for um, to do recordings, and we always wore gloves around the um, the studio and what have you because we had to, you know, we're touching the mouse, we're touching the keyboard and what have you, so you got to be able to follow the correct procedures and guidelines to be able to make sure that you don't contract COVID nineteen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the second question. What direction do you mm. see, do you see the church going in after the pandemic is over? Wow, wow. Okay, so it's going to be. I feel like when it comes to you know after the pandemic, it's going to be health is definitely going to be serious. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be very serious. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because you know we're, we've been in the pandemic for almost over a year. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, like almost over a year, I believe. Like from last year, I think because I think March was when like things actually started like, you know, getting serious. Like March 2020 was when things started getting very serious. So like almost a year now Mm. that we're in this pandemic and it's like, you know, what is it that the church is going to do? I feel like, yes, it's going to be serious when it comes to health, especially physical health and you know, just making sure that everybody's taking care of their, themselves. You know, making sure they're washing their hands. You know, wearing hand sanitizer, all all that kind of all that kind of stuff, right? Um, another thing I feel like when it comes to the pandemic, after, after the pandemic, um, I feel like if if I feel like after the pandemic, if like the um, what you call it, like if they don't have to wear a mask or anything like that, you know, it's probably gonna be it's gonna be cool again. But at the same time. You know, we got to make sure that we're careful and hopefully, like, God willingly, like, there's a cure. Like, there's definitely a cure for COVID-19. Like, there's actual, actually, like, a vaccine. But, like, I heard about the things about the vaccines and stuff like that. Like, I heard some of them are harmful. Like, but I don't know. You know, like, Listen, I need to see the proof. You know what I told people? I said, look, because there's been a lot of skepticism, and rightfully so. You know, go back and look up the Tuskegee experiment. But there's been a lot of um, skepticism within the black community about the vaccine. But I say this. At the end of the day, if you look at the reports of the vaccine, most of the doses of the vaccine are not accessible or not easily accessible to um, especially the African-American community. I know when when, um, my aunt went to go get it, she literally it was literally because she was in the right place at the right time. And she she had just he had just called like at just the right time to be able to schedule her um, her appointment. And I say this, at the end of the day, anything that the government has wanted to use to, um, how should I write, how should I properly word this? To um, set an attack, I should say, on the black community, 
It has always been through things that are easily accept accessible to us. So, you know, the Tuskegee experiment, they were literally, you know, handing out vaccines. And it was easily accessible to get one. So, that's why I'm not really showing a whole lot of skepticism about what this vaccine is. And at the end of the day, uh, it's whatever it takes to get out of this. Because I'm sick of being in the house. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that. So, really... To follow up on the second part of the question, um, what do you feel like the church needs to do in order to improve their online presence? Um, it depends about social media platforms too, because like, Facts. um, when it comes to yeah, like for real, because like, you know, some churches don't have, you know, an online presence. You know what I'm saying, like. And I realized that, like, during the pandemic, I was like, okay, I'm seeing all these churches, they're very creative when it comes to, you know, actually, you know, having church. Like, I've seen, you know, Transformation, I've seen, you know, Potter's House, I've seen, you know, uh, like, Elevation Church, like, all these churches, right, you know, having service online. And it's been very successful because of their social media platform that they're using, like, you know, make sure that, like, as a church, like, you actually have an Instagram, so... Let's say, for example, somebody's not able to actually show up to church, like, they can actually watch it online, right? And, you know, that's what basically it was used for. And, you know, now I feel like a lot of churches, like, a lot of online viewers, like, I feel like this is, like, the, this is a year, like, not 2021, not just 2021, but, like, 2020, like, I've never seen so many people watch church online before. That's facts. In my life. Like, it's definitely, like, and crazy. even then, like, you've seen a whole bunch of churches that have experienced exponential growth, and their online audiences, and also, as far as the church as a whole, so like you said, um, the online presence has to really be a thing of utmost importance for most churches. Exactly. So, our, if all hearts and minds are clear, as they say in the church, mm-hmm. uh, we want to thank you all. I know this was a little bit of a somewhat shorter episode than what we did last time but um like i said we really appreciate you all for tuning in with us um we're gonna put um this question also in the description of our amen corner podcast instagram so if you all want to create dialogue about what we talked about in the episode we can also um have a space for you all there so with that being said my name is michael purvis my name is Joshua Powell. And we want to thank you all for tuning in to the Amen Corner, Episode 2. We will see you next Friday at 3 for Episode 3. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you act so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you act so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. I only serve one God. One nation of the God.